Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and oh goody, it's a beer. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading The Crucible by Arthur Miller. Jimmy's starting with a beer. Oh goody. <laughs> this book, The Crucible, is about the Salem Witch Trials, and you know, they're uh, allegorical shit about other stuff, but you know, this is about America. And its proclivity for witch hunts, which are as American as apple pie. <laughs> this is apple pie from Finback to sour ale with cinnamon, nutmeg, and apple. Mm. No pie, though. Curious choice. It tastes like cider, which I guess it is. I, I mean, you drink cider in several scenes in the, in the play, actually. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a sour ale, which you know, I don't know the technical differences, but it's it's... I mean, it's it's a, it, it tastes like apple. It doesn't have as much like of the like the, the like the sweet pie, like nutmeg and cinnamon, as I would like. But I still love this because it's apple pie, the drink, and that's awesome. All right. Well, is there a reason we're doing this, or is it just because it's famous? This Could was a listener request. Oh, I don't yes, remember why or who. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, Whoever you are, you. <laughs> oh, you. You know who you are, because we don't. So uh, it's uh, premiered in 1953 and has been taught to high school students ever since. <laughs> this was actually my first time reading it. I read it at least twice in my academic, once in middle school, which was like a questionable choice. <laughs> like this, we, Fucking, we were not understanding anything. Yeah. And then in college again. And Nate, what about you? I mean, you were there for yep. the witch. Trials. I read it. <laughs> yeah, this is wildly inaccurate. <laughs> I have Did thoughts on this. Did not happen like this at all. <laughs> and Abigail, I knew not Giles actually Corey, and that guy was not like this. <laughs> so, did you read it though before? Yes, yes, I did. In school or just because? Yeah, in school. Have anyone <clears> seen <throat> the seen the play or the movie? So I have seen the play, but it was a long time ago. So I decided to just. I just watched the movie last weekend just because I was like, you know what? This is the Why don't I just watch Daniel it? Daniel Day-Lewis one? Yeah, Winona writer Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm. We definitely watched scenes of that in one of the classes where I read this book, but I never saw the whole movie. It's very possible I did the same and I don't remember it at all. But I, I still haven't watched the movie. I didn't get around to watching it before this. So I'm just... Well, I can just imagine it in my head pictures. <laughs> my head movies. <laughs> uh, okay, so the opening... I mean, I don't remember exactly what order each scene takes place, but the beginning is in the room of um, the preacher guy, Reverend Paris, who, yep. like and almost his... everyone in the book, is an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Huge asshole. Well, they're but, his, um, you know. but you don't know that yet. It's, 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 it becomes it apparent within, like, line two. A page or two <laughs> that he's a total asshole. But um, so first he's in a bed. It's, so, okay. It's the middle of the night. His daughter, Betsy, is, like, in the bed, and she's, like, either, like, either saying nothing, she's, like, totally freaked, and she's, like, totally freaked out, um, and then what you, through the dialogue, you find out that he has discovered his daughter, Betsy, and a bunch of the other girls from the Salem Village, all basically, like, dancing out in the forest in the middle of the night, um, the movie actually actually opens with the scene of the girls dancing around a pot in the you know in Tituba in the middle of the night, and he comes across them. So you, they actually show that in the movie, but in the play, it skips that scene. It goes right to, oh, what's like, wrong with Betsy? This is like the Footloose town where dancing is not allowed. 
Yes. Because they're Puritans, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fun Foot is not loose permitted. Is a, Footloose is uh, based on Salem. Yeah, I could see that. I believe it. The argument could be made. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just did, yeah. <laughs> I, I could see just for, made it. for a film adaptation, it makes more sense to show that scene. But for mm-hmm. a play, yeah. like that would just be logistically difficult in to have. In the film, were they uh, in the nude or they clothed? One girl was in the nude, oh. actually. Well, they better very briefly better just kill her at this point, then. So, uh, so anyway, there are there, and so in the first, this very first I'll, scene in the play, Paris is like, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" And it's like, "We were just dancing in the woods," and someone says, and somebody else says, "It must be witchcraft. That's why she's like this." And Paris is like, "You cannot say witchcraft. I don't want people thinking witchcraft is coming from my house. I don't want to be associated with this because he's actually the reverend of the town." Mm. Um, and so it would look very bad for him, and also because he's an asshole and really just wants the money. So is his you know, daughter or his niece? I can't out. remember. Abigail is his niece, but Betsy Betty is, his is daughter. daughter. Okay, is it Betty, Betty or Betsy? Betsy? I think I, I wrote down Betty, but it's it, it's the same thing. Oh, uh, you might be. I really don't they're know. Both, Betty sounds too modern, and Betsy sounds more old fashioned. It does. But there was something in this. Uh, like I read the thing about Arthur Miller, what he wrote it. He like tried to make it a little bit more modern so people would like understand it. It does not match history. It's not match what actually happened. Exactly. Apparently, in real life, John Oof. Proctor was sixty and Abigail was eleven, Ooh. and they didn't have any type of relationship. He made that up. He he made up all that stuff for the play specifically. Exactly because he was actually writing about. Communism, the witchcraft or, of the fifties, the the witch hunts of the fifties, and we'll uh, talk about that. It is Betty. It is Betty, not Betsy. Right? Yeah, same difference. You win this time. <laughs> uh, so anyway, and they're all they're all freaking out. And a one other woman. This is Mrs. Putnam. Abigail is there, and Abigail says, "What we were just dancing. It's really nothing." But they send for the doctor, and then he says, "We've sent." She, it must be witchcraft. We've sent for Reverend Hale to come. He found a witch in a different town, he, in the town next door, so he'll uncover the witchcraft that's going on here. And Paris is like, oh, fuck. This is really getting I out guess, of hand. I, I guess this is, you know, I guess we're just going to go with witchcraft. I guess this is it. And then they, like, you know, uh, Abigail talks about what's going on. Oh, it was Tichuba. They blame the, the one black lady in town. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is is there a black person we can blame? Why, yes, there is. <laughs> even in New England. And so in they the blame 1690s? it on. the 1690s? 1692. Anyway, Mrs. Putnam says that, oh, I, you know, I, seven children of seven. I've had seven children die in infancy. It must be, it must be witchcraft. Because they're talking about like who's the they're wondering like who is the witch who's doing the witches and they're like it could be many witches like oh I lost all those babies maybe that was a witch and Tichuba has just been training people or doing witch stuff with her you know and and Betty is I mean I guess I kind of wasn't sure but I felt like Betty was just pretending oh yeah just acting like dead yeah she was you know still and silent and just not reacting to things you got to go with the con. At this point, yep. because this is mm-hmm. a literally punishable by death crime. Basically, Betty instead decides to wake up, but then she acts like she's completely insane. 
and is like, oh, and then she tries to like jump out the window and she's like, oh, I want my mom, mama or something like that. And she literally tried, but, but your mom's been, your mom is dead. He arrives after uh, Proctor and Abby have a, you know, it's, re- it's revealed they have a tension. Yes, indeed. Where, because John Proctor is just kind of a, a good not, man. He's a good man. He's a farmer and tech, apparently he owns an inn or something like that. Or the real one was an innkeeper and owned a bunch of land. But basically, he's just a farmer. But he's known as a good dude. But, but he's got a secret. Because in this next scene, Abigail sort of like is able to like pull John Proctor aside. And she's like, oh, John. Oh, John, we want something. And would you say she's looking for some? Sweet action. <laughs> this is six point sweet action. <laughs> I have had quite a lot of this in my life. This yeah, is from I've Six Point Brewery. Sweet in action. Brooklyn. Was that yeah. Jimmy's mom? Abigail wants some sweet action. That's uh, that's the connection. Oh, I, I figured it out. <laughs> this is a. It just says beer is culture. What kind of beer is it? It's an IPA. We used to drink that all the time after work. It's actually not an IPA. Is it a pale ale or something? Yeah, it's a pale ale. Mm. Something like that. A tiny little baby can. Yeah. I know. And it's only like 5% alcohol too. But anyway. Yep. Tastes like beer. I don't know. It's fine. Not strong. I'm just jealous. I'm going to drip my beer too. Are you holding it by a tiny handle? It's a, it's a moose. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the thing from the Christmas vacation? It's from Christmas vacation. Yeah. It's like the Morty the moose or something like that glass. Oh, okay. Pay 20 bucks for this stupid thing. <laughs> uh, Abigail and John Proctor. So you find out that Abigail used to work for John Proctor in the house. She was a maidservant of some kind or something like that. But they clearly had had a thing because Abigail is like, oh, John, won't you take me back? Won't you leave your wife or, or something like that? And he's like, no, no, I'm a good man. They, I will not do that. They're keeping it Stay all Stay away from me. Because Puritans are... You know, not the most accepting people. And if this shit got out, he'd be in deep shit. So people ask about it. He's like, Proctor, I barely know her. (laughs) (laughs) But it says it at least twice it mentions him boning her and um, him sweating like a stallion. And like holding the small of her back, which was basically 11th base to them. He made love to her through a sheet. I can't imagine Puritans. It must have been the most frigid sex. Says, hold still. We will. They just they invented soaking. I think. <laughs> well, apparently it was in the barn where the animals go. Well, she was a whore, so you know you don't take that kind of person into the hut. <laughs> but she gets fired from the house shortly after because it becomes apparent that the wife knows, and it's awkward. Bitches can tell. That's what they say. <laughs> It's an old Puritan saying. She's also the only other person there. Yeah, it's not like she went to work. (laughs) Well, she was, she like had a kid and then was sick in bed for months. I'm going to, I'm going to go look for that medicine in that young girl's vagina again. I'll be right back. (laughs) I hadn't been to doctors yet. There was a good chance it would work. (laughs) It's just as believable. Or it was just as effective (laughs) as anything. Probably better than bloodletting. (laughs) But then. John Hale, witch hunter, shows up. John Hale Van Helsing. He's like, hey, everybody. Van Helsing. Which is shit, but hoes and tricks. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hale shows up and he's like, you know, another ordained minister. And he uh, is there to, he examines Betty and it's like, I, he's looking at all his books and he's like, I don't know what's going on. And they find out, well, Tituba was dancing in the forest with us. And it's like, oh, what? She's was, she was casting spells. Maybe it was her. Maybe she's into witchcraft. So they drag out Tituba and basically say, confess, confess that, that you are with the devil. And in the the movie, they make this scene even more intense because they literally come, she's a slave. Like, so they whip her to get her to confess. And it's really pretty intense. And so after a while, like, she does, you know, because people are saying, if if you don't confess, we will kill you, you know, because that's what you do with witches. And, and they're whipping her. So, of course, she says, uh, after denying it for a while, she goes, yes, yes, I saw... I saw these people with the devil. They all have like dumb names. Mary so Warren. I don't remember them. You know, they're all very New Englandy, New Englandy names. And so, and she's like, "Yes, yes, I saw them. Yes, but of course, she was making it up because she was being." Beaten but she was with them in the woods and tortured. Yeah, she was, well, but she wasn't practicing. She was. Witchcraft. She was doing voodoo. She's practicting voodoo. <laughs> There's a difference. Voodoo. Voodoo. Voodoo isn't in the Bible, so you know, no it's laws still out. It the they do accept that. They're just like, oh, well, of course. She can't help it. <laughs> Her soul is worthless. It's fine. Yeah. I don't think, did they even believe that they had souls? I, I don't know. If she had converted maybe a little bit, like maybe. her husband, the off-page John Indian. <laughs> That's his. Is that a real thing? Yeah. That's her, uh-huh. her husband's name. I don't know if he's never in the, he's never in the play. He gets mentioned, or he, he's definitely not in the play, but yeah, they gave him a toss. He gets away. mentioned in the write up parts or something like that. But he, you know, she was, they, they were, you know, all the characters in the play were real, there's you know, real names, though he did change a, a lot of details about them for dramatic purposes. Yeah. So then she's like, oh yeah, we were doing it. And then who's a fucking old lady? Doing magic. The old lady that had like 1,100 miscarriages. And then Abigail, more or less, like, also, like at this point, Abigail more or less like takes over, and she's like, "Oh yes, I was also she bewitched me, and I signed the, my name in the devil's book, and you know, goes into that, and then just starts accusing people, and just starts like in kind of uh, both. She's trying to save her own skin because she was both everyone For thinks sure. she's a hoe, <laughs> and she <laughs> think everyone For thinks sure. she's a whore." And she was dancing out in the <laughs> dancing out in the woods. So she just starts accusing people, and apparently, people just believe you when you say they're they're a witch. And you you know, I guess that just went that everyone just believed it when you said that. So at this point, Abigail has a ton of power, which I'm pretty sure this was supposed to be Senator Joseph McCarthy. Because in real life, Senator Joe McCarthy was a nobody senator from Wisconsin that had accomplished nothing. And then in a random speech he was giving to like the Daughters of the American Revolution or some like really stupid thing on like a Sunday morning, he just came out in the speech and said, there are, I have a list of 72 communists in the State Department. And people were like, really? You do, and there was a reporter there. Apparently, got wind of it and printed that Senator Joe McCarthy has a uh, has a list of you know known communists in the State Department. 
And then he became one of the most powerful people in Washington because he could accuse anybody. Also, he was making it up. He didn't have a list. He never, ever produced a list of communists in the State Department. Never during that time. But he became super powerful, and people just believed him because proving, your, proving a negative is very difficult. Just because you say, I'm not a communist, I've never been a communist, that means nothing, you know? You're just lying to and, us. And, you know, then it snowballs that people say someone else's name, essentially, as a way to clear the, you know, do you know any other people? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah I don't know these people. And it's like, all right, great. Well, now that person gets pulled in, and, they, and you have uh, the equivalent of Amway <laughs> happening where you have to just <laughs> recruit other people. <laughs> so what, what Mike is saying is that the House Un-American Activities Committee was actually equal A level, equal degrees of bullshit. But in reverse. <laughs> What's more American than a bullshit business? And more or less than a bullshit communism? pyramid scheme. Non, more less communism? The opposite, and this is actually tr- how the witch trials worked too. Though, which is interesting. I mean, he does bend stuff here, but like in real life, the witch trials were someone would accuse somebody, and it's like, okay, well, we'll ask that person. And it's because you actually wanted their land, and if they're dead, you know, because they were super litigious assholes in this village. <laughs> Just f- they were so upset they got kicked out of England. They, they were suing each other over everything. And that's, you know, comes up in the play occasionally. But they had, it gets mentioned briefly, like Giles Corey, the, the cantankerous old man. He, he, yeah. He's like constantly in court. He's like, I know how it works. I'm there all the fucking time, like he says at one point. Because they were constantly squabbling over like, you know, this is back when like you'd buy a piece of land and it was like, you own, I bought the land from the river to the tall tree or something. <laughs> and like, that's not, that's not the tall tree. We meant a different tree. And then like, oh, to the courthouse. And they just squabbled over bullshit all the time. An American tradition that continues to this day. So, but they were all, what's that, what's that legal term? Vexatious litigants or something like that? For people who bring so many lawsuits, they're not allowed to file them anymore. Uh, douchebag. There's, it's a legal term. Like at a certain point at court, like you, you can't do this. You can't. And it's like usually like conspiracy theorists, not jobs or yeah. vermin supreme. You know, like people, <laughs> <laughs> people file all sorts of ridiculous things. But in the real trials, they would accuse him, and they would just make up ridiculous shit. Like, like in in some of them, they didn't really have like uh, transcripts of the court proceedings sometimes they're more detailed other times they're just kind of vague summaries but they have some where it's like the witness the equivalent of the witness points at the ceiling and sees goody douchebag uh there i see him right now he's there and they're like he must be he's like what (laughs) like (laughs) this this, a raving 12 year old girl says that she sees farmer frank in the rafters of the building, and it's daytime, and everyone else here does not see him. They're like, we better look into it. <laughs> and if he's wrong, we'll people fucking people kill him. Faith. It's nuts. But uh, that's, what, that's what happened. And also, I mean, the other major flaw of Salem is that they, they didn't know children lie to get, out of a, to get out of trouble, like to try to get out of trouble. They didn't realize <laughs> that. They just took everything the kids well, said on they, face value. Because they'd ask they the kids, kids, are you sure? <laughs> oh, yeah, I definitely did my homework. I just left it at home. Yeah, uh-huh. I was your Do you really once. mean it? This is serious. I'm like, uh-huh. Well, then it's official. 
And also they're like calling in the experts on demonology. So it's not like there's a lot of any, you know, real shit to rely on. The guy's like, I have one book about witches. It's not, this is everything that's known. This must be it. I carried it all the way from Boston. <laughs> oh shit. That's, this is serious. In, okay, in the witch trials that had gone on in Europe for centuries before this, there are actual more detailed sort of witness statements that are like the most ridiculous things you've ever heard. You know, like I murdered all these babies and drank their blood. She turned me into a newt. The thing is, all of the witnesses, all the people, yeah, right. All the people, all these really mostly women, they were liter- they, they were being tortured. Oh, yeah. And so they were just come up with whatever shit the people wanted, the torturers wanted to hear to stop the torture, and then they'd have to sign it. And then they'd get burnt at the stake. But here in Puritan Town, for some reason, they're like, we'll kill you if you don't confess, but if you do confess, we won't kill you. So people just end up confessing to being witches. And And then they kill a bunch of them anyway. Well, if you can name other people... Or if you just admit that it's you and like you're, oh, I'm sorry. Because there's also like, there was the guy who by the end, I think it's... I think it's Giles. He refuses to confess, so they just keep because uh, they putting heavier and heavier stones on his chest until he dies. And his last words are like, "Suck my dick." It was basically it was like, so. But they, well, they couldn't. <laughs> oh, so it was more, weight. more weight. Yeah, but what? <laughs> and it took three fucking days to kill that old man in real life. He was an eighty-year-old man. He's the toughest fucker who ever lived. Jesus, really? Yeah. <laughs> If you lived your whole life in colonial New England, then you had to be pretty fucking... If you made it to that age in colonial and New England... How did he get America? up to pee 11 times? <laughs> <laughs> but he... That was about... They couldn't uh, execute you if you were not... If you did not confess or if you were not found guilty. Like, mm. it, so yeah. you had to... You had to enter a plea for them to then take it to the next step in their fucking dumb legal system. So he's like, no, I'm not confessing. I'm not going to say anything. And like, so they would press you, literally, with rocks, <laughs> and like stand on. And they, at one point in the play too, there the guys were standing on the boards on his chest, like just fucking say it, dude. And he's like, uh, your mother. And then <laughs> it, but it, like he probably said it like very, you know, old fashioned. Well, when he said more weight, he was saying your mother has gained more weight since the last <laughs> time I doth seen her. <laughs> It hath been told to me by Goody Miller that your mother is a strumpet. (laughs) 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 And she hath lain with barn animals and knows them. (laughs) So uh, we're getting, that's the end. That's right near the end when he dies. But the other thing that Abigail is a sneaky fucking asshole cunt. (laughs) She She sucks. Abigail sucks. Well, John would know. But she... Is scheming. Yeah. She she sees opportunities for her advancement, for power, and she's. An, do we talk about how she's an orphan, that her parents were murdered by uh, the Native Americans? Uh, yes, a likely <laughs> That's the story. Real, the real subtext is that she's actually a murderer. <laughs> on top of all of it, <laughs> and she's living with Parrish, who's like her CSI Salem. Yes, this is. T- this also is definitely the mark of a demon. That's, you see how I left all these demon marks here. Right? Um, but she, she sees this as a chance to like have power because she's in this totally powerless position. 
she's like a senator from Wisconsin. Right? She's, <laughs> she, she, she's the orphan living at the, at the mercy and charity of this distant relation. And everybody thinks she's a whore. And who is an asshole? I mean, in this guy, Paris, he's, well, cause he's like, he's a, turf. he's a highfalutin preacher. And he keeps demanding like fancier shit. And that's why a lot of the people, especially like John Proctor hate him. Cause nowadays you just have a mega church. He he was just he had he had Osteen aspirations, but, he's, but he needs golden candlesticks he, for his private jet. He's a little Pat and Robertson. So some of the these thrifty New Englanders are like, "Fuck that guy! I'm not going to church anymore." Which I thought you had to go to church, but I guess not. Or maybe I had been well, lied to in third grade social against, studies. They keep bringing it up with John. How he's like, "Oh, you haven't been to church in a while." They take like, attendance. Fucking Satan. And he's like, no, just that guy sucks, and you know I've got a lot of farming to do. And when I look at him, I'm like, well, it's probably because you're a witch. When I see him, I see my tax money spent poorly. <laughs> so he's like a you know a proto Vermonter, <laughs> New Hampshire guy, like <laughs> New, Hampshire. New Hampshire. Yeah. Did you guys see that? I don't know when it was on. But someone just sent it to me, like the Saturday Night Live skit of the Confederate like white supremacist meeting, and this guy's like, I have a vision. Of a land will go to just white men. He's like, it sounds like Vermont. And it's, <laughs> it's like, no, not Vermont. <laughs> just keep, I'm talking about a man, a land where man can grow his own food and on a farm and he could trade it to another white man who's grown things. Like, yeah, that's that's a farmer's market. They have those in Vermont all the time. Like, I, <laughs> And then at the end of the, the joke, at the end, they, the... Uh, security guy at the rented room who's, who's black comes in. He's like, "All right, quit your quit your white nationalist pity party. You got to get out of here in ten minutes for the AA meeting." And like, "Hey, what are your thoughts on Vermont?" He's like, "What? Go to Vermont, not see another black face for miles, and have no hip hop, and just be bored? No thanks." And they're like, "We're going. <laughs> it's a white paradise." <laughs> One thing we I, I forgot to mention with Paris in the beginning, and they're like, "I think that we were dancing in the woods." He immediately note he kind of like notices the opportunity for this to be for like opportunists to take advantage here. And he says this line, which I thought was interesting. He says, If you trafficked he's talking to one of the carols, if you trafficked with spirits in the forest, I must know it now, for surely my enemies will, and they will ruin me with it. And it's kinda of like the whole rest yeah. of the fucking play right there. Just like That's the whole communism thing. Like my enemies are gonna use this against me. Even though he didn't do anything, it's just going to be like, oh, by guilt by association. And is yeah, if you knew a communist, you were probably a communist. Those pinko bastards are too lazy to even have meetings half the time, just waiting to steal from us successful capitalists. <laughs> anyway, so um, we're still in like act one. Um, we might be in act two. So, act two basically things get more intense mm-hmm. where. A whole bunch of people get arrested. A lot of people. Um, Everybody. People are being brought in. Like yeah. Dozens. People are being brought in all the time. I mean, we'll just go through it quickly. Essentially, someone accuses John Proctor's wife of being a witch. And, of course, John Proctor knows that it's Abigail because Abigail wants Elizabeth to get to get So that hung she can get some of that hung. So that John is single again. Because he's well hung. <laughs> The authorities show up at John Proctor's house and is and they're like, well, we were told that, you know, Elizabeth has been 
accused and John Proctor's like, that is fucking bullshit. It's Elizabeth. She Abigail. just wants me. She just wants but then her dead. Like, she, it was testified Abigail, that she right. has a, a puppet. And they're like, no, we don't have any puppets. Yeah, they said puppet about a thousand times. And then the puppet, though, was introduced literally three minutes earlier when their servant girl, Mary Warren, comes back. Chekhov's puppet. <laughs> she brings it back. I was in court all day. I made you a puppet. And it's a little doll. Which is like a doll thing, I and guess. And then they say... That, I was bored, so I sewed, because it's the only thing women are allowed to do in this town. And so they... She makes this... I wasn't sure if she was in on the scheme like doll. with Abigail. But Abigail hides a big pin inside of the poppet and says that, uh, you know, Elizabeth was, has I, been using this like doll that, thing. I got the sense that it just had the needle because she was fucking sewing. But Abigail's the one that hid it in there and then told yeah. the story about the uh, puppet being used. I don't think they were in collusion. I think just... Abigail yeah. just used it as an Mary's kind of I don't a, think, like um, a hapless Mary Warren you know, meant to do that. Like not a victim, but she she's kind of just going along with what Abigail says. Useful a idiot. Useful idiot. So of course then they're like, We heard there's a doll and they open it up and like there's a needle and then like Mary fucking come, you know, admits it right away. But Elizabeth is um and then John Proctor's just like tells her, Get the fuck out of my house and he he tries to be a badass, but like, no, I gotta I gotta arrest your wife. Because I have to, I have to rest like sixteen more people tonight. It's fucking <laughs> a long shift. Everyone lives eleven hours from each other by foot. So, yeah, and he just they chain her up and they they take her away, and then um, they start having you know then they then they look in more into John Proctor and they you learn he's not been going to church regularly, and one of his kids isn't baptized yet, and he's like it's because I hate that priest guy. It's not because I I worship the devil. And he says, I put on the roof I, of the church. I hung the door. Like, I'm a Christian. And they're like, yeah, and that's nice. And they ask him to recite. One of the you questions they the caught someone earlier was, what are the Ten Commandments? And then he's you know, like, tell them. And he's like, all right, sure. And he knows all of them but one. And his wife, the one he leaves out is uh, adultery. And he's like, oh, yeah, that one too. Was that one of the? Are you sure? Wasn't that one of the five Freudian suggestions? The <laughs> <laughs> different list. Is that really top ten in the world of all the stuff that could go wrong? That's up there. I don't know. But that's why John refu- he now does not want to go to the court and be like Abigail's full of shit because then it's going to come out that he fucked her. But he's also saying to Elizabeth, like, you need to tell them. Otherwise, they're going to kill her. Kill Elizabeth. Elizabeth and uh, you can see that John's insistence on like keeping his name safe. Like, that's his whole thing. And that kind of it comes at a premium to do that. Uh, <laughs> you'll find out at the end how much of a pre- how, how dear it is. This is premium at IPA dry hopped with citra and mosaic from Finback at a modest 7% alcohol that I've been drinking the whole episode. And this beer, like all of them. Brought to us by our supporters over Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash Drunk Guys Book Club, where you could get early access to episodes, exclusive content, merch, and vote in our book Help poll us every pick month a book and get every shouted week, out every month. And you could put any stupid name you want and we'll say, <laughs> say it. And if you accuse someone else of being a patron of the Drunk Guys Book Club, they'll fucking deny it, just like, <laughs> just like in this play. <laughs> 
It, just like if they're a witch. But if that's not your thing, you could also just help us out by leaving a review or just, you know, recommending the podcast to someone. Someone who listens to podcasts, not, not to anyone, but someone who <laughs> might listen to it would be helpful. <laughs> Make it worth your time, you know. Make it worth our time. Well, our time's kind of unchanged. <laughs> so John does go to court. And he tells the court, Abigail is just trying to get rid of my wife. And he's like, well, why is that? And he goes, because, because I fucked her, okay? Because she liked away my dick And he tells them. <laughs> she had an ass that just would not quit. Quitteth. The donkey next, by, next to them in the barn? <laughs> <laughs> we were horsing around, and the next thing that happened? And he admits in court in, to the Puritans that, you know, I, I sinned and that that is why Abigail said that Elizabeth did it because Elizabeth's been telling people, yep, mm-hmm, my husband, that, that, that Abigail, she's a whore. And then, or Harlan, and the court says, and the, and the judge, and the judge who I think represents Richard Nixon. So the, and the judge says, okay, we'll ask your wife. If that's really it. And so they bring the wife, bring Elizabeth in. They do the in, very but, technical court thing of saying, but turn around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't look at her. Don't make faces. No peeking. And so they tell Elizabeth. So they ask Elizabeth. So Elizabeth, is there any reason why Abigail wouldn't like you? And Elizabeth won't tell the whole thing. She'll just say, well... I was worried that maybe she was a whore. So that's why I kicked her out. And the court says, aha, it's you. You lied, John. And then have this whole thing. And then, and so, and then they're like, well, so one of you is lying and Elizabeth is clearly a witch. So she's condemned to death. And then John says, I, and they, this, they have a big argument about something. And then John says, I, there is no God. Bad thing to yell out there. Yeah, bad thing to yell out in front of a, ju- a you know a judge who's a, a Puritan, and then so they bring him, they put him in jail too, because he clearly must be a witch, because he just said there's no God, he meaning the devil. He must be into the devil, I guess. Because John had said, "My wife is nicest woman. She would never lie, and then she just fucking lied." Ha! And then also all the girls start freaking out, and they're like, "She's a t- They're choking me!" And like. They just start like throwing themselves on the floor, which is again a thing that really happened. Good girl, like girls, primarily girls, though maybe some of the adults too, would just like writhe on the floor, or, like say they were being choked so they couldn't talk properly. And everyone's like, it, like the, the stenog- equivalent of the stenographer is like, the witness is being psychically choked. Like that is, <laughs> <laughs> and, like this is some pretty strong evidence. We got to hang people. Yep, only way. And so Reverend Hale, who in the beginning was kind of a dick, he has seen that this is all bullshit, but he's been trying to, and even Paris realizes that it's bullshit too, but they are, you know, they don't want to hurt themselves. So they just kind of, they're kind of like, I don't know, maybe we could, you know, take a break. And then um, Danforth and Hawthorne, the least successful comedy duo of all time, who are the judges... (laughs) They're just like, oh, no, 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 this is, we're going to get them all, don't worry, this is legit, and they're all just like super serious and, and mean, and so at this point, Hale's like, fuck this shit, I quit, I quit the court, because it's t- such bullshit, but it doesn't matter. Oh, and did we already find out that Elizabeth's preggers, 
They said that she says she is, and so they won't kill her because she's pregnant. They want to find out if she's actually pregnant. Then the last act... It jumps forward like three months. And she's definitely pregs. Yeah. And they've executed like 17 people. I believe 19 would be the total number executed. I guess John was one of the last ones. Well, they changed the order. He changed the order of things. And I'm not sure if that counts Giles Corey for the his, play. If he's the 20th victim or the 19th, or the 19th, like if it was 19 hanged or 19 dead total. But whatever. It's a few months later. He's also he has the best line in the entire play. Is it a fart on Putnam? Uh, a fart on Thomas Putnam. <laughs> it says Giles fury in the stage direction furious. His fists clenched. A fart on Thomas Putnam. So was he clenching? Was like did he fart there too? Like he's like when I say fist, they mean his butthole fist. His fist butthole is clenched. A fi- fist butthole is that a war yeah. song? I think it's, yeah, I think it's the. But Putnam was saying like who's Putnam again? Is, Putnam, Putnam is uh, he's the rich guy, right? One, he's one of the one of the other big rich guys. Like Mrs. Put, Goody Putnam was one of the like other women there. She was like was she, was she um, the one that had like all the dead the, babies? One of the mothers. Yeah, she's one of the one, of, and yeah. like he was. She, they were trying to because at this point everybody's just latching on, saying like, "Oh, Giles is a witch communist, so well, he, uh, he should be killed so I can take his he, land." He next had, to um, well, he had basically pissed off everybody in the town at some point or another, and he had in, yeah. he had kind of carelessly made a comment about his wife because I guess Giles couldn't read, and his he's like, "My wife's always reading books, and she won't let me look at them." And then they interpret that and. Through accusations, or whatever. Oh yeah, like, she's a witch. Yeah, they accuse his wife. And so his wife, I forget who gets killed first, but they both get killed. She gets hanged as a witch because she refuses to um, confess to something she didn't do, and he gets killed in the enhanced interrogation techniques of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or cider boarding. <laughs> So uh, in this sort of like basically almost final scene, um, it's a couple months later, and they go to uh, they take Elizabeth, who is in 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 jail, and says, "Your your husband is due to be hanged tomorrow at sunrise unless he confesses. Won't you go talk to him? Just get him to confess, and then you, he can save himself." And she goes, oh, "Okay, all right, I'll talk to him." Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, Abigail has cleft town and stolen all of Paris's money. Yeah. Not a good look. One of the extra lines that, extra little pieces of history that, uh, that Arthur Miller includes says that legend has it that she turned, that she ended up being a whore in Which Boston. Which is worse than hell. That she was well, a so prostitute. In reality, in I mean, that is a, a legend, but most of the characters who survived the Salem Witch Trials have like no other appearance in the record afterwards. So no one knows what happened to Abigail, who in real life was like a 12-year-old girl or something like that. So And, she, and, John, and John Proctor was 60, so he probably didn't yeah. fuck her. Um, that part was all invented, but she is one of the chief accusers, and she just she lives, and then no one knows anything after that, what happened to her. Did she really like... Leave town though? No, she just disappears after 1692 or so in the in the documentary, yeah. you know, record that survives. So um, Elizabeth, so they goes to John. They bring John out of out of prison. Want you just you know so that they can speak? And and Elizabeth says, "Won't you hey, just Hale say helps this to save Hale yourself?" Hale is still trying to like save save what he can. Yeah, and and Hale is like, "This is all bullshit. Just let him save himself." 
let's just let's just do this out and john says yeah okay fine i guess i will and then so he goes to the judge to give his to give his confession but he just confesses that he you know he saw the devil but he won't say anyone else he won't say that he saw anyone else there you know he won't give that up and when the judge says okay this is your confession sign this he signs it but then won't give the paper back cuz they're going to hang it on the church door exactly john is like no i signed it that means i confessed you don't he's have to show every it to step. everybody else this is me i only he's like i only have my name this is i i clearly have no integrity but just let, don't don't make everybody well, first else he's know like, that do i too. have to sign can't i send everyone it? else in isn't that enough? And they're like, no, you have to write it. He's like, fine, I'll write it. And they're like, okay, we're to hang it up. So he, he's like, it, they, they keep taking it from him. Yeah. And even John says, well, God saw me sign it. Isn't that good enough? And the judge is still like, no, it must, I must have this legal document back and I must have legal proof. And so John Proctor says, well, you know what? It was all a fucking lie because... Where he basically says the people who let themselves be hanged, I'm not fit to, to you know, sit at the feet of the people who you know refuse to confess. Because he's like, I don't, I don't have anything else. This is all I have. I'm looking for it. Ever to find that line, I probably won't be able to find it. But it was very important. It's this is the line. They said, explain why you will not let us be put on the door. And he says, because it is my name. Because I cannot have another in my life. Because I lie and sign myself to lies because I am not worth the dust on the feet of them that hang. How may I live without my name? I have given you my soul. Leave me my name. And they're like, no, I need need the name too. (laughs) And that's a latte to deal with. (laughs) 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 I actually did it. (laughs) This beer is called latte, and we've had it multiple times. It's from Finback, and it's a stout with lactose, coconut, cardamom, an invisible force coffee. It's really good. It tastes a hell of a lot better than being hanged. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goody, that's delicious. I imagine it would. Sorry, Nate, as you were. Mm, tastes like justice. Uh, John's like, yes, it was, a little, it was a lie. I didn't see the devil. I'm not going to name anyone else either. And the judge says, all right, well, then, then I guess you hang. And they go, they go to Elizabeth, then like, can you fucking convince him? This is going to be a real big deal because he's seen, he's like respected, I guess, in the community or something. And he's like one of the last holdouts and mm-hmm. big fish. And she's, she says like, no, no, he's, this is, she, she had also forgiven him just now in that exchange. She'd finally said, I forgive you for fucking that teenage girl while I was pregnant and shit or whatever it was. And he's like, oh, thank well, God. She was recovering from babies. Well, whatever she was doing, he had to get his dick wet in the barn. And she's like, I forgive you now. You've atoned. And he have his goodness now. God forbid I take it from him. You know, like he has his, his pride has been broken in a sense, I guess. But like his slate is clean. At least he keeps yeah. his, in- his integrity. He refuses to name names, which was a really important part of the House of Un-American Activities Committee. Hook. <laughs> <laughs> made you sick just if you it. named names <laughs> if you named names and said who else you knew were communists 
you didn't get blacklist, lose your job and get blacklisted and never work again. So that was the way out is to just name other people. And according to the introduction of my book, my version, which is probably the same as yours, about a year after the crucible went up on Broadway, Arthur Miller himself was dragged in front of the House Un-American Activities Committee, and he refused to name anyone. And he said in his testimony almost the exact same thing that it says that he's, that is from the line from John Proctor in the play. And when this play came out, everyone said, fuck that guy, don't go see it, he's a commie. Well. And it blew up, it blew up like later on. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't know anything about the production history. I mean, it won the Tony for best play. I know that. That uh, the article I sent you guys was basically an, uh, an essay written by him from the October thirteenth, nineteen ninety six, about the history of the play. He mentions it like, oh yeah, they you know they, they had articles come out saying it was shit and they had people boycotting it because of the same thing, same thing. Well, another thing he mentioned in that essay that I thought was I didn't actually realize I didn't think about it. He the essay ends with like this. One thing more, something wonderful in the old sense of that word. I recall the weeks I spent reading testimony by the tome, commentaries, broadsides, confessions, and accusations. Because he went to Salem for a week for research, like lived there, had to like kind Found of hang out and get embroidered a sense for it. A in the customs house. Yeah, I was like, well, what's this? Oh, wait, different book. Different book. <laughs> he says, and always the crucial damning event was the signing of one's name in the Devil's Book. This Faustian agreement to hand over one's soul to the dreaded Lord of Darkness was the ultimate insult to God. But what were those new inductees supposed to have done once they'd signed on? No one seems to even have thought to ask. I was like, "Yeah, what did they? Did, what was they gonna? What are they gonna do? Like, oh, I'm working with the devil. Like, to do what? Just devil shit. No, just <laughs> yeah. It's never like it's like I'm gonna burn down the church or I'm gonna like pee in everyone's soup." <laughs> It's just like... Soup is a sin to eat in this community. <laughs> That's too much of a luxury. There was a... Yeah, he asked, like, what What did it mean? They just said, oh, they signed a name in Dell's book. Like, was it like a registry at an Airbnb? What was so the fuck what? Did, <laughs> Great scenery. What did, you, what did you agree to? What did you gain by it? And what was the, what was the, what was the scheme? And no one was like, ever questioned that. They're just like, oh... They're working with the devil. Better kill him. But working with the devil for what purpose? Oh, man. It didn't matter. All that mattered Corrupting was... Corrupting souls. I mean, by signing your... I assume yeah. by signing your name in the book, you're rejecting God and... Yeah, something like that. It said, he said, actions are as relevant during cultural and religious wars as they are in nightmares. The thing at heart issue is always is buried intentions. The secret allegiances of the alienated heart... Always the main threat to the theocratic mind, as well as this immemorial quarry. I don't know what that last part means, but, you know. It's a lot of rocks. They live in a hardcore theocracy, and just thinking differently is enough to have you killed. I mean, I think the, the, the thing, though, is that the community of Salem realized, like, about three minutes after the last person dropped off the, onto this, you know, from the scaffold, that they realized this Are was Are we terrible. the baddies? They were like, holy <laughs> shit, what did we do? Like they actually gave restitution to families and of people like twenty years later, like paid out. Yeah, you know the the equivalent of a <laughs> whoops, our bad. Well, governments have been doing that for a while, <laughs> ever since. <laughs> but that's a, a and then they like really 
even he says in the introduction, like, people still don't want to talk about this if you go there. Now I'm sure there's, like, a huge tourist thing about it, but you know, it's the only you, reason you go you there. Know, remember yeah, talking about how it was, like, a nice colony. They invented bread there. You know, you fuck one goat. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like the equivalent of going to Germany, and they're like, for, what, what happened for these four years? Like, what, no, what about other years? Do we talk about <laughs> Oktoberfest? <laughs> but they... Ooh, we were drinking a lot then. I Everyone was on vacation from 1933 to 45. I don't know what you... I think my grandparents were in college then, far, far away. They were just following orders in college. I don't even know. They moved to Argentina right after for vacation. <laughs> took a very long summer vacation in Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> but but the like, the community realized right away like we this was not this was not a smart thing. It really got out of hand. Got out of hand big time because they believed fucking children and treated. No, no, that's what Proctor did. <laughs> She told me she was 18. <laughs> they they <laughs> trusted the testimony of children who had every incentive to lie. and Because they were dancing in the woods. And also, though, like, there's like, it was like a social contagion. Like, other girls are like, oh, this is a way to be different and to break from the monotony of fucking Puritan life. But also, if you were a teenage girl who said, no, there aren't witches, they're all lying, they're all making yeah. it up, they'll just turn on you, which is exactly what... Happened to Mary Warren. What, who, what's her name? Who Mary. fucking... What's worried about? Several times. She's, she's, a, she's a weak will. She constantly, under the slightest push, is like, all right, I'll no, oh, I feel it pinching me. My leg, I have a, a wound that won't heal because goody, whoever the fuck... Keep sticking pins in me at night. That's what uh, Abigail said at one point. She's like, she's like covered in wounds because she's been like clawing at herself. And she says that she's being attacked by everybody. Like every moment of the day, someone is psychically attacking her. We've all been there. It's, 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 hard. it's hard to be a teenage girl <laughs> being beset by witches. Especially in 1690s Puritan life. Oh my God, it must have been just fucking miserable. <laughs> <laughs> At least they didn't have like social media to make them feel worse about themselves. Show off your black dress on Instagram. Check out my bon- who wore this bonnet better. And here's my new black dress. Yes, and here's my new bonnet. Nicer. It's different from Thou my art old a hussy bonnet. Bitch. Oh my god! Look how the Kardashians churn butter. I wish I could be famous too. So I mean, there's other cool stuff. I mean, I actually. Well, also, let me ask you this: What did you guys think of it? I mean, Jimmy, I'm curious since you never read it. What was your thought? Uh, like all plays, it's, it's hard to read. It's hard to read a play. But I could tell, like, it would be a good thing to watch. And I probably should have watched it, but I just didn't. Or I couldn't before we did this. But uh, I liked it. I just, it's it's extraordinarily, it's not even long because it's a play. You know, it's an hour and a half, two hours maybe. It's It's just physically difficult to read a play and really, like, get into it. I thought of all the plays you've read, this one was the easiest to read because there were well, lengthy little things that Arthur Miller puts in there, like little historical oh, yeah, notes. Little, like, little breaks, yeah. Those were, those were odd. Like, oh, by like huge page-long parenthetical references. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, as we texted about this. I guess it's helpful for the, for the production to think of, or maybe that's put in there for the student to read, but it was, it was helpful. And I... I I thought that made it a little easier to follow than your average play. 
or so much more is communicated through like you know gesture and the tone of the actors that you know the words yeah, on the page it, can be it, quite it's, sparse. It it can be, and that that's what makes it difficult. But I thought that it it was easy enough to follow at least. Nate, I thought that well, so I enjoyed watching the film more than I did reading it. But I was like watching the film because I remembered a bit about what happens in the Crucible, but I didn't remember exactly. And so watching the movie, I was like, oh, oh, that's what happens. Oh, okay. Oh, and it's about McCarthy. Okay, I get it now. So I felt like I got it watching the movie, but I was still like, oh, well, I guess I'll read it. And it was like, oh, yeah, I remember this part. It's a little dry just to read. Mm -hmm. I actually fucking loved it. I I didn't like reading it for school because I just resent reading anything for school or I did when I was a kid. Yeah, well, like high school, you're not going to like, oh, really enjoy this play about Puritans that's an allegory about McCarthyism. Like two things you don't give a fuck about. Yeah, and it's also written in stupid, archaic form, and everyone's named Goody. It's like half archaic, half like Southern. I think he was, he he tried to cop. He updated. Yeah, he didn't really like, like what was it, the the Vivitch movie, the Witch movie, like a lot of that dialogue was meant, was like taken directly from period The way they spoke. No, it yeah, says it in the in the article he wrote, it was like he updated it so that people would be able to connect with it. Like he, it was I think he, he, con- contemporary for the He kind of copied the language of the King James Bible for a lot of it, which is not a bad thing to do since it was published in the early 1600s. Yeah. And to try to copy the way people might have spoken in this more formal time. Except for the fart thing. I don't know if they talk about farts in, back in the... I mean, I don't know if there's any biblical farts. The Lord farted and it was good. <laughs> <laughs> Pull thy finger. The, the, uh, the, and the on first the seventh day, the Lord the, farted. The, the first shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept, and the second one is Jesus farted. <laughs> right after all the loaves and fishes, Jesus farted, and the apostles wept. Is the next line? <laughs> Christ, is it yes? Take it. <laughs> you rang <It's> my body. <laughs> God, you got to lay off the fish, Jesus. I have broken wind for you. <laughs> yeah, giving this to kids is stupid. <laughs> giving it to children yeah. who are either just... I think one of the reasons I enjoyed it now versus ever before reading it as a kid is because I just have so much more knowledge of the stuff that is related to this that I could understand Both of it better. These things. I know more about American history than I did as a kid. Yeah. I know more about... The religion, and I know in theology, and I know more about McCarthyism, and I also just have a bit of vocabulary and can and know what the words mean <laughs> in the book, and I have appreciation for that. So I'm actually set up to enjoy this. Where when I was a kid, like this was so much fucking work, and and when you have to work that hard at it, it's hard to you know like appreciate it. You can get it, but you're not going to necessarily go. Oh, I'm, that was a an edifying experience. I'm really glad I did that. That's what Abigail said. <laughs> <laughs> she can get it. Oh, she, yeah. Uh, she, she did get it. <laughs> and then she got it for money, apparently, for the rest of her life. Yeah. I think this, you know, one of the questions, who should read it? This is a, this is a book kids read in school. I think that's stupid to make kids read this in school. Maybe, like, very advanced high like school if students. if they could just watch it. If they watched it, would it be better? Just show the movie. It's a play. It's not meant to be read. We do it every time we do a play. Like, it's not meant to just be read. I don't know. I feel like there's something to reading the text. I think there's some value in it. 
And there's nothing wrong with even also then watching a production of it. Or maybe even watching the production first and then looking at the text. Yeah, because then at least you can, like, it helps to have an image in your head about how it goes down. And yeah. Even if it's up to a certain amount of interpretation. It's just easier to cat, to have some kind of... Because it's all dialogue. It's just 100% dialogue with a few words here and there of, like, angrily... Clenching his fist as he talks about farts. Yeah. <laughs> Thou doth hod made us weaker. <laughs> There's always a difficulty when... You know, if we're, if kids are going to read a book in school, if they're going to read a thing in school, is it like, does the teacher have the students read something that they're going to be into because you want to get the kids to enjoy the process of reading it, you know, and enjoy the experience, but it's not necessarily good or it's not famous or something like that? Or do you have the students read things that are in the canon, meaning known to be high quality and the kinds of things that other people know about. Like, which do you do? And what is your what is the job of the teacher in that situation? Is it to teach the, like, highest quality, highest literature? Because it's school, so if they don't get it from the teacher when in school, when are they ever going to learn about it? Or does the teacher have it be relatable so that the kids have a good time even though it's not necessarily good. There's no in-between there. Like, there aren't some classic things that could be understood by kids or appreciated, and some modern things that... I think doing some of both is probably a better solution than... Because finding something that's, like, 50% good and 50% relatable... There's that, that so must be much very fucking hard. YA that stuff produced, though. Find. Like, I'm sure some of it's good. We've read some of it that's good. We've read a lot of it that's bad. Like there it's out there. You know, and there's there's tons of like if you want kids to know historical shit, like there's tons of historical fiction that's written for every age group about various topics. I I think I think it's I don't know if it's like elitism or just clinging to the past and this is how we used to teach English and this was in a in the days of, like, stoner, like, to be an English professor, you had to have known every fucking book. And like, oh, kids yeah. need to see this book. I need to... I need. And maybe a lot of English teachers have this, you know, lofty vision that they're going to bring the gift of literature to these kids. And they're going to, oh, now I now I get it. Now it's in part of my soul reading the... <laughs> I, I think there's stuff that kids can get. And maybe, like, you know, it also depends on the kids. You know, a a um, precocious eighth grader maybe could handle some shit that you know. Whereas a kid who doesn't give a fuck in tenth grade or twelfth grade, like just because they're a certain age doesn't mean they're going to read it. You know, like there's there's so much more to it. Like I said, for me, like reading this now, like I was just like I was primed to get this book, this play. But at most other points in my life, I would not have appreciated the same, even as a college graduate. In high school, like you don't even get to the Cold War in history class. No, you always run out of time. So a lot of kids might have you know have heard about McCarthy passingly, but they're not going to really have much knowledge about it or really get it. That's true. If you're not a student, should you read it? Oh well, um, if you know a bunch about history, uh, and you know you know about McCarthyism in the in the 50s and you're a little bit interested in colonial history too then this could actually be could be worth it to read it also doesn't take very long but i don't know one thing i 
Not sure it's necessary I, I either. About within the last year or two was about after the red scare, there was the lavender scare, which was when they were saying like everybody's gay. There are secret gays in the government, and they have to get them out because they are susceptible to blackmail. So they started interviewing everybody. They interviewed, I think it was 20% of the entire American government's workforce to root out secret homosexuals. Well, unfortunately, it was true that if you were gay, you were susceptible to blackmail. That unfortunately was correct. But the guy working with McCarthy to do all this was Roy Cohn, who was violently gay. (laughs) That sounds rapey. <laughs> he was literally, oh, he, was. he was known for banging a different guy every day of the and week. He di- like, we denied it. Didn't he like deny it to the end of his life? Wasn't he like. No, he was open about really? it. And everyone oh, he knew. Di- no, he was and denying having, was AIDS, lot... having AIDS, even though as he died. Oh, he denied having AIDS. Yeah, yeah. He was openly gay. And no one gave a shit about it because he had so much blackmail on everybody that it didn't matter. But also, McCarthy was also rumored to be gay. There's no hard proof, haha. But no, what, you know what finally brought them? What finally brought them down was their joint pseudo boyfriend got drafted, and they tried to go against the army to say, "Make him an officer so he doesn't get shot or anything." And they're like, "No, fuck you." So they started to say that the army was out to uh, was infiltrated, full of communists, and they're like, mm, "Can't do that." So M- McCarthy tried to go after not only the military, which, you know, in 1949, 1950, this is still so, a very weird institution, <laughs> and, and also tried to go after yeah. Eisenhower himself. And it was like, no, 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 that's really not going to work. But, you know, but uh, Joseph McCarthy's chief of staff was Roy He Cohn, was definitely the chief was, of staff. Who, who was really... <laughs> who was re- <laughs> But he was also, but Roy, it was really Roy Cohn behind the scenes who was doing a lot of this stuff, who was, you know, organizing a lot of McCarthy's sort of things. But then Roy Cohn went on to be Donald Trump's lawyer for the 1970s and 1980s until Roy Cohn died in the late 80s. Yeah. And supposedly this is where Donald Trump learned a lot of his very aggressive tactics, legal tactics from and political tactics from was from Roy Cohn. I would just add that for an adult, if you have not read it, and if you're, it, it's not a, it's not a hard read, and it's no, one of those things like this bill. is one of those things that gets referenced, that it's a part of the canon. Like, yeah, I've heard about it a billion times and didn't read it until this week. Knowing so. having read it won't hurt you, and it won't cost you much. No, I still say it's better to just fucking watch it though. Yeah, <laughs> saying that. I've never seen it. And myself, Arthur Miller but I think did write the screenplay for the 96 movie. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, they really did use a lot of the I, I have not seen it in a while. I, I do need to watch it, but it's with fucking, what's his name? Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis. Some shirts, you know. I'm sure like the whole time filming it, he would just fucking besiege people for a bottle of water. Like he would never break character. <laughs> 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 he did have to repeatedly cheat on his wife, though. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm acting. Well, he, his, his wife is Arthur Miller's daughter, Daniel Day-Lewis. Really? Yeah. And they met oh, on the set, I believe. Oh, okay. Huh. I mean, he, 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 Rebecca Miller, yeah, is his... I don't know anything about the man, like, as a person. No one does. <laughs> the person doesn't exist. He's just a blank slate until he gets an acting gig. I think he, isn't he retired now? Doesn't he not do anything? 
Yeah. Yeah. He's, so he's, he's retiring to. so that he can play... Uh, Do any more acting. ...a ghost after he dies. <laughs> but for real. So, um, yeah. I think, it's, I think it's worth reading. But the movie that has, you know, the imprimatur of Arthur Miller would probably be fine, too. Yeah, a thousand percent. And if you're an English teacher, don't fucking make children read this, probably. <laughs> Dick move. And tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Guys Book Club. And if you uh, are interested in supporting the podcast, get over to patreon.com slash Drunk Guys Book Club. Or just leave a review. Just tell someone to go listen to the podcast. And you can join us on Goodreads, where we read Goody. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.